Welcome to Fast Cars, Fast Girls. We are your IndyCar experience or your, um, I guess, quarantine experience at this yeah. point. Social uh, distancing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but during this fun time of iRacing and staying at home and losing the base tans that some of us worked on before St. Pete, um, we are discussing, well, a little bit of everything with one of our favorite people in the paddock. Today, we've got Mr. Charlie Kimball with us. Charlie. <laughs> And the crowd goes, wow, <laughs> thanks for having us. Thanks for having me. I'd say us, but you'll probably just hear screaming from my toddler in the background and maybe crying from the baby in the background. So it's really me. It's just you get extra audio from my family at home. Absolutely. And shout out to Kathleen for uh, doing what she can to, to wrangle the kids during this. Yeah, it's. I appreciate the scheduling because uh, we try and work it when I, I'm real efficient in chunks of time when uh hannah who's now 18 months old uh is down for a nap or down for quiet time or after she goes to bed um she's a great little sleeper gets like 12 hours of sleep at night so like i have to be real efficient uh when she's napping either a workout or you know a gym workout hashtag pit fit at home or uh office work or housework or whatever it is i need to do to support kathleen while she's you know, sustaining human life with with our little boy who's just over a month old. Oh wow! That's Which, right. oh my goodness, what? Um, I've actually said this because I've got a, a friend who um, gave birth about a month ago as well, and um, you know, so off air we were just chatting with Charlie about you know how different life is right now, but especially with a new baby, it's you know it's so hard because um, because you don't really have a support system because nobody can come over and see you. <laughs> Um, yeah, that, you know, where that, normally you'd have a baby and you'd have family, and I say Kathleen's family's here, aren't they? Um, yeah, yeah. yeah so, and so you normally have all these people like extra hands and you know watching Hannah and helping you guys get extra sleep and bringing meals and yeah, a hundred percent. So we knew it was going to be hard. You know, having two kids under the age of eighteen months was always going to be a challenge. And I guess the the one blessing about the first, well, month and a half of the IndyCar season, two months, I guess now, two and a half months oh. of the IndyCar season being postponed, reshuffled, canceled, any mix and combo of those three, is that Gordon, our son, was born on the Wednesday, and I left Thursday morning to go down to St. Pete. Um, so we always knew that I wasn't going to be at home for the early part of of Gordon's life, I, or I was going to be in and out between races. This quarantine and stay at home has meant that I've gotten that sort of unexpected paternity leave. Um, wasn't something I was planning on or especially something I would have hoped for, but it is one of the small blessings in disguise about this situation. Um, but like you say, the help, we always knew it was going to be challenging, but not having the ability for my mother-in-law who lives a few miles down the road mm -hmm. to come over and spend time if it's with our our little one or with Hannah she, I've started calling her Hannah the hurricane cuz she is full energy all the time. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. <laughs> if it's chasing and cleaning up after the hurricane or uh whatever that is, bringing meals or mm -hmm. you know just doing dishes like Stuff like Doing that. And laundry. Just, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Baby laundry. I Ooh. forgot how many clothes a newborn goes through. Like <laughs> every day. Every day. It's, it's a like, thing. It's like three or four outfits a day. Easy. Mm -hmm. Easy. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't, <laughs> that doesn't include the surprise blowout. Yeah. Oh, the blowouts and the spit up. And this, this conversation has taken a very strange right turn, but it's every conversation. Know, it's the, the lack of help. My my mom had planned, my, my parents had come down to St. Pete. And after the initial ruling of the race not being open to the public, they changed their flights, came here to Indianapolis and spent a few days um, visiting their new grandson before flying back to California. Well, when we got canceled, when it, the race got fully canceled and I got home Friday night, Got a couple of days with them, 
And then they went back to California. And my mom was planning on coming back the, a week later for like 10 days. And oh, yeah. that just yeah. all got scrubbed. And, and so we planned on having this help. And it's been, it's hard. Like you think, you know, the new, it, they say what it takes a village. Mm-hmm. Well, when that village is socially distant, it's a little hard to use that village. Oh, Absolutely. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah, but that is. but it is nice that you kind of got a surprise paternity leave because because yeah, you actually get to spend spend a lot of time at home with with the new babe. So that's not yeah. usually the and, case. And that's something that uh, I wouldn't ever give back. Um, and you know, I know a lot of a lot of the IndyCar drivers either had or managed to get before the stay at home orders, um, like full sim racing and and iRacing rigs um some have like ikea boxes that pedals are set on and things like that and i will tell you i have never been any good at video games um in fact i was discussing oh with a former spotter of mine uh how bad we shared a house when or an apartment when i first moved to indiana and I, I mean, I was awful at video games. And he used to look at me and be like, you you make your living with the hand-eye coordination. And I was like, yeah, but it's it's hand-eye and gut and, like, belted in. And there's there's a lot more sensation that happens in the race car than a video game or even a, a, a sim like iRacing. Um, so I was never any good at it. I'd never done it. And I just don't have any of the equipment. And if I spent six or eight hours a day which is what it would take for me to get up to speed on iRacing there would be uh yeah it it really wouldn't matter how I did in an iRace because I wouldn't be alive to enjoy the victory (laughs) yeah I'm I'm like Kathleen would kill you uh yeah my my younger sister spaced out her kids um like you guys did and um yeah I'm like she she's about a year ahead in the process, um, but but still just as busy. And I'm like, oh, if her husband was like, hey, I'm gonna spend more time playing video games, she'd be like, oh, I think the fuck you're not. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I, you know, from from my side, like I totally get the the IndyCar iRacing challenge, and and I've been watching. And this last weekend, I was listening to the team speak, so I was listening to Chris Wheeler talk to Bourdais. And, you know, listening to the, the sort of chatter between the performance engineers on the backside and the fuel numbers on the four car and things like that. And that, along with the live stream of what was happening and the broadcast, was just about enough inputs to keep me interested with how things were going. Um, and the only reason I was able to do that was because Hannah was napping. So, yeah. I, I wasn't chasing a hurricane or a tornado around the living room. That's, I mean, I think Abby and I both would uh, agree and understand the whole, like, eye-hand coordination in one area does not always translate to eye-hand coordination in another. So, no, I, I get that. And, yeah, I, yeah. I kind of think those new dad, not new dad, I guess, new dad again duties, um, they kind of come first. Um, and, yeah, you happy, we, we like to keep Kathleen. I mean, she's probably and, and and like I said, I would not give back this time. Oh, absolutely! I've had to to be there for Kathleen and mm-hmm. with Gordon and with Hannah, and it's I mean, and watching Hannah grow, she sort of hit this inflection point in her development, and where she was kind of going along, and her vocabulary was about the same, was about the same, about the same. And then in the last two weeks, she just kind of hit this like development spurt and her vocabulary has just exploded. Oh, and if you say a word, she r- tries to repeat it. And I know to her ear and her mind, it sounds exactly the same. Yeah. Like, it, it sounds nothing like it, but she is trying and she is making the sounds and mimicking us. And we, uh, we got dinner delivered last night because by the time dinner rolled around, Kathleen and I looked at each other and went, eh, we haven't thought about anything. Can Maybe we'll just support a local business tonight. And yep. Yep. Uh, we got ramen. And I was I picked up the bowl and was drinking the broth out of the bowl. 
And I look over and Hannah had her bowl of little noodles. She had picked it up and was like pouring noodles all over her face. Oh my it's God. like, oh yeah, we've hit that monkey see, monkey do. Uh, <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. oh. oh, that's, yeah, that's hilarious. My, um, my sister and her husband both have um, bad allergies. And so, well, and every, everybody in my family, like there's a box of Kleenex in every room of everybody's house. I mean, bedroom, living room, bathroom. There's not a room in the house that doesn't have a box of Kleenex somewhere. And so, yeah, her oldest is getting ready to be two at the beginning of May. And she sent a video. She goes, uh, when your parents both have allergies. And it was, her daughter was about 20 months old and just w- walked over to the Kleenex box, picked one up, fake blew her nose, put it in the trash. Then walked back to the Kleenex box, picked one up, fake blew her nose, put it in the trash. Just over and over. And I'm like, this, yeah, it's it's such a fun age, too. I always say, like, starting at 18 months is my favorite because they look like little miniature humans and they start mimicking everything. And they, yeah, they're just curious and learning about the world it's yeah that's my that's that's when my favorite age starts is that 18 month mark yeah Yeah, and when she got out of like I went in and got her out of her crib one morning last week and I looked at her and went when did you become a person like you definitely went baby to toddler to like miniature person yeah yeah it's and that's that's exactly what I'm like oh give me all of the kids that like look like little miniature humans and are just starting to tra- talk I speak fluent toddler uh, it is yeah. nice I love it okay so um Gordon um, <laughs> yeah I want to know is that I say is that a family name how'd you guys decide on it it is um so our little Gordon is named after my father Gordon yeah oh, that's uh, right and Great story. So our Gordon would be, it's not technically the third because it's not like directly descendant. Um, So our Gordon's named after his grandfather, my father, Gordon. Now my father, Gordon, was named after his uncle. So my namesake, uh, Charles, his brother was named Gordon and was a few years older than my grandfather was. And was in the ROTC um, in the 40s, I believe, and got 11 or 12 semesters, is that right? 11 or 12 quarters, excuse me, uh, into chemical, a chemical engineering degree at Stanford um, when World War II hit. And he, because of his ROTC service, uh, ended up on a B-29 uh, Stratofortress plane as a navigator and was killed in service in World War II on Guam. Um, the B-29 took off in a storm and just after takeoff they scrubbed the mission. They were coming back into land and, and apparently from what I remember from the story this is second or third retelling so it may not be accurate but there are two runways sort of side by side and as they were coming into land on their prescribed runway Another B-29 that was coming into land on the other runway misaligned onto their runway. So to avoid taking both planes out, the plane that uh, my dad's uncle Gordon was on uh, crashed and killed all but one of the people on board, including um, Gordon's, our Gordon's namesake, uh, Gordon Kimball. So oh, wow. Um, it's pretty cool. I, from doing some research, there's a marker in Arlington uh, Cemetery with his name on it and his crew members, crewmates name from that B-29 crash. Um, and so when my dad was born, he was the eldest born to uh, Charles, my grandfather and my grandmother. And uh, Charles named him after his older brother who'd been killed in the war and named him Gordon. Yeah. That is a really great namesake, then. That's yeah, yeah. And, and, it, and it's fun because both both our kids' uh, names are family names. So Hannah was um, Kathleen's great grandmother's name, uh, and and her middle name takes after my grandmother. So there's there's some family names kind of woven throughout uh, our kids' names, and and I like them because they're. They're traditional names, like, we'll probably end up calling Gordon Gordy, or, or Don, or, 
um, who knows, or hey you, depending on on yep. what's going on. Um, and depending on the teenage years. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, or some more blue names, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, but but uh, I, I think it's a great because your name. One of the the challenges Kathleen and I felt was you're naming future adults. Yes. So, and, and I remember how mean kids are. So it is terrifying choosing a name and thinking, okay, we don't want you to be made fun of as a kid or not be taken seriously as an adult oh. either. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Cause there are certain names that, yeah, it's like, mm, how's that going to translate as an adult? My mom did the same thing. She gave my sister and I, so I'm actually, my, my given name is Abigail, uh, but I go by Abby and, the reason she always called me Abby, the, you know, she was, ne- I only got called Abigail when I was in trouble and it was all, all my names. The full uh, name. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah the, mm-hmm. the full name. Um, <clears throat> but you know, she wanted me to have the option of having a longer, more professional name as an adult if I wanted to. Yep. And, uh, but yeah, I love, I love the family, the family names, you know, when it's a couple generations separated cause then it's, you know, it's not a junior, it's not, you know, whatever, but it still has, you know, it's woven through. So, you know, like your dad was a Gordon, um, you know, obviously Charles is a family name and then now you've got a little Gordon and yeah, I think that's, that's great. I love it. Yeah. It's going to be, it's a lot of fun and, and as busy as it is and and as tired as we are and as much chaos as there seems to be, I I can't wait for the, these two kids to grow up best of friends and be at the racetrack together and, and. I mean, Hannah is just the little ringleader with, mm-hmm. you know, when we could play with neighbor kids and friends, like even kids that are years older than her. She just leads the way and everyone falls in line. I mean, it's, it's I amazing. Love it. <laughs> I That's love awesome. it. That's... You know, having met your wife, I don't know where she would get that, that Mm-mm. just like take, take charge of the crowd leadership from. I have no idea. We we do have a friend who refers to her almost exclusively as Boss Kimball. Uh, <laughs> and, and it's hilarious because he's executive director and founder of a very successful nonprofit here in town, uh, here in Indy. And he refers to her almost exclusively as Boss Kimball. That's fantastic. I mean, yeah. it does. Yeah, it makes sense. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. In the email, when we uh, emailed Ann about setting something up, she, you know, immediately copied Kathleen on it and. So, you know, I was responding back and I was like, Kathleen, try not to be pregnant the, the next time that we offer you a beer. And then Molly and I laughed because, you know, when we saw you guys at Pocono, we're, of course, being Hoosier Hospitality and we're a little tipsy. And so we're basically like trying to force feed your wife a beer because we're like, no, grab a drink here. You want this? You want this? You want... And finally, she like leans in and whispers. She's like, yeah, um, like it's, not- it, we're not telling everybody right now, but um I'm pregnant, so I can't drink. And we were like, it. <laughs> got it. Okay, sorry, our bad. Ah, yeah. Would you like some water? <laughs> right, we're like, would you like some water or, you know, a Sprite or, you know, because and we left. I'm like, of course, we would be trying to, like, push beer on somebody who's pregnant and not even realize it. Uh, well, that, that's, like, the har- hardest part is, or was, while she was pregnant, um, because she's the one who introduced me to bourbon and old fashions and like forever, I couldn't, like, I didn't really enjoy a good bourbon because it all tasted like rocket fuel. Yep. Um, and Kathleen, you know, taught me how to make an old fashioned and taught me what to be tasting and thinking about and looking for. Uh, in bourbons and and now okay it's not as good as Mr. Rossi or Mr. Hinchcliffe's bourbon collection but have you know we have a few bourbons that we enjoy and have a couple that are in the back of the cut cabinet for special occasions and that was something that she said especially in the winter that is really good bourbon season mm. uh, when it's old and what does she call it the the Kentucky hug uh, ah. that, that oh hug from a good bourbon uh, or an old-fashioned she said during the winter that was hard um but we also like you know we we talked a little bit before we came on air about uh some of the perks of driving for aj foyt racing and 
the obvious ones, I mean, driving for a legend, the first four-time winner of the Indianapolis 500, um, you know, the Coyote Enterprise's name and logo, and just that Foyt name, there are, I would say, probably one or two handfuls of names in motorsports, not in not in IndyCar, but in motorsports, that are as evocative as the Foyt name, I think. Yeah. Foyt, Gurney, Andretti, Rutherford, Mears, mm-hmm. uh, Schumacher, Senna, Prost, yeah. um, Petty, Unser, Andretti, or Earnhardt, excuse me. Um, you know, the, there are very few out there that you you say the name, and no matter if people are race fans or not, they know who you're talking about, and A.J. Foyt is one of them. Oh, yeah. I, I would say A.J. Foyt is in the top three of of those names as well. Um, yeah. Who yeah. would be your top three for globally recognized motorsports last names? Senna, Foyt, and Andretti. Okay. That'd be that's mine. I can, yeah. I, and I, somewhere my father just cried because I said Andretti, but that's okay. He just has to deal with it. I know. He just, well, actually, he just spit is what he, he did. did. That's okay. Um, he was a hardcore uh, foil. He is a hardcore foil. He is, yeah, not was, <laughs> is. Um, for me, I'd be, yeah, I, I'd be torn. Um, I'd probably have to do four and say Senna and Schumacher. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah, but but Foyt and Andretti as well. Um, although, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. You you hit all of them, honestly, Charlie. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, but, that's the, the list. Yeah. Um, well, which, losing Sir Sterling Moss earlier this week yeah, was tough. Gosh, well, that was hard. He's another name. Um, John Surtees, Graham Hill, uh, I mentioned Gurney, um, yeah, (laughs) Yeah, Shelby, I mean, and, and then you talk about like Wally for the, the drag racing, you know, the hot rockers that started in Southern California and grew into the NHRA and names like Boyce. Force and Prudhomme and yeah, I was gonna say I I feel like the name Force is yeah, is is up it's, there as well. Um, it's a little like when you talk about uh, very appropriate names for racing drivers. I mean, John Force yeah. is like like the other one that like all the time when I raced go karts against him, I was like, there's no way that's his real name. Is Scott Speed? Oh yes. yeah. That's true, yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then I get to IndyCar and I'm racing a dude named Will Power. Like, you're oh, like, gosh. what the hell? What I mean, is- that's like ordained for him to be a racing driver, right? A hundred percent. Yeah. A hundred percent. I got sidetracked. Oh, I was talking about... Yeah, so uh, you're talking about bonus benefits, which um, I'm going to tell a quick story that happened um, at the winery, so it'll, so it'll lead into your, your benefits. Uh, so Molly's dad is a huge AJ Foyt fan, always has been. And uh, Molly and I got to interview Larry, just do a little, you know, Q&A at the winery last May for an IndyCar Nation event, uh, which Larry Foyt is fantastic. I'm sure you're enjoying working with him. Um, yeah. he's, he's a great guy. And I've said it before and I'll say it again, like best hot lap driver ever. Um, every time I ride with him, I'm like, I might die during this and that's okay. Cause this is fantastic. Um, he's a wild man and I love it. Uh, but AJ Foyt happened to show up for a meeting in the back office during this event. And I was standing outside and I see him pull up and I was like, oh my God, I have to get in there and tell Molly's dad, uh, so that he can prepare himself mentally for this. And so I like run to the door, um, and I get there at the same time as AJ Foyt. And of course he's, you know, consummate Southern gentleman and opens the door and he's like, ma'am. And I was like, thank you, Mr. Foyt. And like walk in all calmly, and then as soon as I'm out of eyesight, I just like book it to the other end of the winery, and I was like, AJ Foyt is here. AJ Foyt is here. So we do our thing, and they have their meeting, and then afterwards he comes out, and of course, you know, he's getting swarmed by you know everybody, all all the peepaws and every you know, and um and so I I let the crowd die down, and I walk over and I said, hey, um I I introduced myself, and I was like. 
I know that you're here working and that, you know, you've got things to do and I don't want to take up too much of your time. I said, but my, my best friend's dad is here and he has been a lifelong fan of yours. You are his absolute favorite driver. Um, da, da, da. I was like, and it would just mean the world to him if I could get a picture of him and you. And AJ's like, okay, you know, but I can tell he's, you know, he's not really that into it. And I lean in, I said, no, when I say he's a huge fan of yours, I, I mean, if somebody says the name Andretti, he spits on the ground. <laughs> and, and AJ Foy <laughs> laughed and he goes, <laughs> yeah, bring him over. <laughs> That's awesome. And I was well, like, yes. <laughs> you know, other than the chance to just swap stories with a legend like AJ Foy when I'm in the race oh. shop, uh, drive for a legend, pick his brain about, you know, yeah fact that he qualified for the Indy 500 in how many different decades, all of those things. Uh, working with Larry and Anthony on, uh, at Foyt Wines is a huge perk. We uh, we bought some wine uh, and it got delivered last week. And that has helped get us through the chaos of this stay at home uh, quarantine because it's really good wine. And you know, the bottles are really neat because they all tell a story. They've all got a car number or a year number associated with them. Uh, some of our neighbors uh, found out we were ordering a uh, box of wine from Foyt Wines. Sorry, not a box of wine because they don't do box wines, but a box a, with wine a bottles. Case. From a Foyt case of wine. wine. Right. <laughs> we didn't order quite that much. We didn't get a full case, but... They were like, oh, we're looking on the website, and that bottle's really cool. We have no idea if the wine's good, but the bottle's really cool. Can we get one of those? (laughs) Um, And one of them, it's funny, because one of them, our neighbor was like, we're looking through, and the Tony Kanaan bottle is gorgeous. Mm. And so they got it, and they go, hey, you're you're friends with TK, right? I'm like, well, yeah, like, yeah, not. And they're like, do you think when, like, we can actually see people you could get this bottle signed for us. I'm like, sure. And if you drink the wine first, he'll sign an empty bottle just like he'll sign a full bottle. <laughs> That's nice. I'm glad that you... And since we're in quarantine, go ahead and drink that first because maybe you'll need it. <laughs> right, exactly. So, so that's a big perk. It's good wine. Uh, I think it's foytwines.com if anybody mm-hmm. is interested in ordering some good wine. Um, and... I, I was actually really impressed, um, and I know Larry's working on a new location, a new winery, um, I think in Texas, as well as their Napa side, plus the wine vault here in Speedway. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. I wonder yeah. where in Texas. I say if it was if it was close to the uh, Texas Motor Speedway, that would be fantastic for us. Uh, I think it might be a little closer to home for him, so it would have been closer yeah. to Austin than it would be to the DFW Metroplex. Yeah. That's all right. We can we can we can stop by for the Austin race too. We'll make a day trip out of it. Right. Like, well, we will drive anywhere for a winery. Uh, which, speaking of, um, since you and Kathleen love bourbon, you know our our race family from Pennsylvania. Um, I believe the one you know the best is Young Jackson. Um, yes. Yeah. Yes. Young Jackson. You, oh. Your personal super fan. Um, I think one of my my most ardent supporters is how I refer to Jackson because Alex and Jackson they're they're good dudes and the fact that they mow lawns to pay for tires for their quarter midgets is admirable and I think it bodes well for well the future of the country and the future of motorsports when like young guys like that have a motivation to do something something they enjoy and aren't afraid of the hard work to get there absolutely yeah they um they mowed lawns there was a a picture that alex posted on facebook um he and jackson were doing yard work and spreading mulch for one of their neighbors who's high risk right now um alex detailed cars last season to earn money and as like a a sponsorship benefit to some of the people that had supported him he went over to their house i mean it spent hours detailing their cars um you know, one of the one of the people, one of their sponsors actually said that they were like, I don't think my car looked this good when I bought it. 
And so, yeah, no, it's it's just awesome. They're definitely not afraid of hard work. Um, and yeah, they're just, they're great. Uh, but our Pennsylvania family, we do a bourbon trail trip occasionally. So we just did one this past November, but next time we'll let you and Kathleen know, and you're welcome to join us because it's just a weekend of drinking bourbon and, and just jacking around. It's, I, the bourbon trail is one. So we, after Sonoma a few years, we spent a couple of days, um, three or four years in a row, and went wine tasting and ended up on, I think, too many uh, wine club memberships and bought too much wine. So we have we have a fairly decent stock in the basement, but we've only done the Bourbon Trail really once, um, and it was a ball. And it's when I really started to understand the different notes of bourbon and the types of bourbon I like versus the types of bourbon Kathleen likes. And it's... Um, it's interesting because during the season, I don't really drink. Sure. And so uh, it, it balances out. I, I drive uh, when I'm not drinking during the season. I'll drive home from, from dinner or um, a trip to the bar or whatever, which happens less now with kids, obviously. Um, but then during the off season, she repays the favor and will drive me home more often. <laughs> so it's, uh, sure. it's kind of a little bit of a give and take. See right there. That's that's a successful relationship. Indeed, yep. and although I feel like I've gotten to take a little more advantage of it with her being pregnant uh, for the last few months, but uh, hopefully, again, hopefully we can mm-hmm. get through this pandemic and stuff starts to loosen up. I know science and research is working nonstop on on mitigation methods and more than just social distancing and and sort of social methodology, but medical and science working towards treatment options and vaccinations and cures and things like that. And and I look forward to that day for when we can get back to what the new normal looks like and, and get back to, instead of ordering dinner to support local restaurants going and supporting servers there in person mm-hmm. um, absolutely that's, to me that's like i'm stuck at home and it's hard but i hope and i know eventually we'll get back in the car this year yeah. and go racing um you know for a lot of people that that aren't as fortunate as that it, it's really hard living you know off tips living mm-hmm. In the restaurant, hospitality, tourism industry, it's it's tough right now, and and I know a lot of people are working creatively to try and find ways to to help those people stay afloat. Absolutely, yeah. and as a former server, I'll tell all of you when you are able to go back out and support your local businesses, ten um, percent is not an appropriate tip. The the server wage has not changed since the nineteen seventies. It is still two thirteen an hour, and they've all been off work, so. You know, we tip well. Yeah, <laughs> very minimum, well. Minimum twenty percent is what I'm is all I'm saying. Um, in fact, I'll I'll tell you this: if it's a restaurant you go to all the time, if you tip more than twenty percent every time, you will get the best service every time you come in. You will get treated like royalty. I guarantee it. I did it to every one of my regulars. Um, in fact, servers will fight over taking care of your table if you tip at least twenty five percent. And and it's interesting. I've always found that. Um, friends of mine who worked in restaurants or servers or hosts or hostesses that they are so adamant and vocal about how well they tip and if if you go out with four couples so to for example and they sort of you split the check four ways and they kind of glance around at what people are tipping and if they don't think it's enough as a group they'll inflate their tip to cover what the table should tip hundred um, percent, and, mm-hmm. and we'll tell you they're doing it, and and tell you that oh, exactly mm-hmm. why. <laughs> yep. Um. I. It depends on the crowd I'm in whether I will verbalize that I'm doing it. But yeah, I always do that. In fact, I've done it on dates. Um. When I'm not even the one who paid, if I see that they're a shitty tipper, first off, that's our last date. Um. <laughs> one and done. If you're a shitty tipper, you're not seeing Abby Meyer again. Bully that. Um. <laughs> but there was one time that it was. It was an awful date all around. We went to a Friday's and the guy was like, I've never been to a Friday's. And I was like, were you raised by wolves? Like, I mean, you've never been to a Friday's. 
Um, and we have a whole discussion about the menu. And I'm like, well, this is pretty good. And this is pretty good. And this and da, da, da. And then I ordered my meal. And he literally ordered exactly what I ordered. And so I was like, well, you seem boring already. Uh, like, you've never been here. And you order the exact same thing I ordered. Um, but whatever. Um, and then we get to the end and he tipped like 15%. And so I was like, well, um, we'll just say goodbye here at the table. Cause I need to use the restroom before I go. Da, da, da. And he was like, okay. So like we say goodbye and he's like, let's do this again. And I was like, sure. And I'm like, no. Um, and so as I'm walking to the restroom, I grab, um, one, I grabbed my server and I was like, Hey, I'm not leaving. He left a shitty tip. So can you ring up like something that's a dollar so that I can give you my credit card and actually give you a decent tip? <laughs> that's awesome. I was like, I'll be right back. Like, here's my card. I was like, I'm just not having a conversation with this person about it, but I was like, you guys did great work and I want to make sure that you get compensated for that. <laughs> I'm just going to go ahead and take care of you, even though he didn't. Yeah. Right. I was like, yeah. And then she laughed. She was like, first date. I was like, yeah. And she goes, last date. I was like, yep. <laughs> also, yes. <laughs> yep. Two for two. Yep. Uh, yeah. All the, um, but yeah, um, I'll tell you. And something that um, so everybody knows I'm a nurse um, and we chatted a little bit offline about some things. Um, but I was at work a week or two ago. And, you know, we were all talking about what we, you know, who brought lunch and what we're going to get and this and that. And I'm currently on night shift right now. So it's like those discussions have to happen happen early in the shift because we start at 7 p.m. And so it's, you know, we can't exactly order things at, you know, one or two in the morning. And it was really cool to me that all of these other nurses start talking about, well, you know, which which local business do we want to support tonight? Who are we going to mm-hmm. order from? And I was like, that is awesome that, you know. Although we have a very hard job right now, you know, we are still blessed in the fact that we are able to work and able to earn a paycheck. And I was like, in the midst of all this craziness and all this stress that we have at work, these nurses are literally thinking about what local restaurant that's close to our hospital that we can support right now. Yeah. I was like, this this is just the epitome of like what I love about Hoosiers right here <laughs> is I was like, this is this is awesome. Yeah. I, the uh, Indie Star, I think Greg Doyle wrote it. Um, I haven't read the article yet, but there's an article and the, the headline was, you know, the COVID-19 has taken a lot from us, but it hasn't taken our Hoosier hospitality. And I think that is very true. And it's yeah. it's one of the reasons why Kathleen and I love living here. And, and we talk about being Californian Hoosiers, um, because while we're both from California, and our roots are, are still there. We've we've grown and blossomed and started our family here and, and we love we love central Indiana and we love living here and contributing to the community and my grandmother who is we call her because uh, she's an avocado farmer, we call her a steel avocado instead of a steel magnolia. I love uh, it. <laughs> she, uh, She's always said, invest in the community that you want to live in. Um, And I I think now more than ever is an important time to remember that. I agree. I like that. Invest in the community you want to live in. That is very profound. My goodness. Yeah. Very good words from the steel avocado. Yes. And uh, she's quite the matriarch. And she uh, has been doing a really good job of staying at home and letting uh, my sister and other lower risk people do porch drops for food and for office supplies. And uh, I guess the the weather was pretty decent over the weekend. And so my sister and brother-in-law uh, sat on the porch and she sat inside and they chatted at kind of elevated volumes through the open glass door for an hour or two because she hasn't been out in a month. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it, well, that's good. And it's not that she can't get out. She lives at home by herself, but she can, like, she still drives everywhere. And I think she still drives to the post office and stuff like that. But um, it's like that social interaction. I think it's, it's a good reminder. Uh, it made me laugh that the roles have reversed. And instead of parents telling kids, uh, to stay at home and be home at a certain time. It's it's kids telling parents to stay home at the moment. Yep, right. It is. <laughs> it is. Oh, yeah. My um, 
my brother-in-law is yeah having a conversation with his parents this week at my sister's request because they have not been staying at home as much as they should and my sister was basically like listen uh my sister's a nurse and i'm not playing this game because my sister's been you know she's a stay-at-home mom um so she she works inside the home every day um and but she's always been very good about getting out and you know going to do things um so that she doesn't get cabin fever and which is just impressive um i mean to to leave the house with even one child is an entire production much less two um, and yep. so, but during this, she hasn't been going anywhere. And so she's got cabin fever and, you know, they have been seeing my mom cause she's high risk. So she hadn't been anywhere, you know, having groceries delivered and all that jazz. And, you know, and they have been going to see his parents, but his parents talked about, they're like, Oh, well, we went out to Menards and we did this. And like, they've been like going out and getting stuff and like doing home improvements. And she was finally like, yeah, um, if you want to keep seeing my kids, you're going to have to stay home. Uh, cause you keep going out and exposing yourself. Like we're not coming over cause. Yeah. We, we were talking about a home improvement project and it's like only if we can figure out how to get everything we would ever need delivered. Right. And then, and, and I could YouTube the how to on how to get it done. That's the only way we're going to do it. Totally. Totally. I know there's a couple different things that I'm like, ooh, that's a craft I'd like to get into. I'm like, but I'm not going out to a craft store. That's not essential. All right. Can I buy this on Amazon? Um, (laughs) Yeah. When's it going to come now? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. All right. Well, let's get into a little bit of racing talk. Um, (laughs) In addition to just you loving working with AJ Foyt. um, Yeah. And I say, and the rest of the team. So when it was rumored that you were going to go to AJ Foyt and, you know, in the, the silly season this year was, I mean, almost as exciting as the regular season. It was quite wild. Um, in fact, I would say it was as wild as turn one at Portland. Um, oh. Turn one, lap one. Oh. And <laughs> I know. I don't think it got as backwards as uh, turn one, lap one. <laughs> <laughs> that's true that's fair. <laughs> uh, but you know when when it wasn't official that you're going to aj Foyt, of course you know we have multiple group group texts with racing fans where we you know discuss everything and in, in addition to our show um <laughs> where we discuss everything yeah. and somebody said you know what do you think about charlie kimball and aj Foyt?" and i was i said i think that would be the smartest decision for mm-hmm. aj Foyt racing to make um i'm like number one he like you're you're a solid driver um you bring the car home you know you may not get a podium every week but you're not you're not crashing you're not making stupid mistakes like you are a solid finisher you're a smart guy i'm like and let's talk about again how freaking smart you are you're an engineer i'm like they you know have had some you know just some some missteps and just haven't quite had you know the speed and the team and the results that they've wanted and i'm like you bring Charlie Kimball in. I said, whether it's official or not, I, I know that he's going to want to know every little piece of what's going into it, whether you're officially part of the engineering part or not, you're going to involve yourself. And then, you know, when it was official and it was like, and Charlie's going to help with engineering. I'm like, and no one was surprised because of course he is. He's one of the, I mean, you're one of the smartest guys on our paddock. And so I just, I love that. So how's that been going, even though you haven't really been in the car? Um, I say in in the off season, was there, you know, (laughs) have there been kind of some engineering planning and things like that? Oh, absolutely. We've, uh, we've worked really closely and my race engineer, Mike Pulowski has, has worked. I worked with him or across the table from him. Uh, he was at Chip Ganassi racing for a little bit when I was there and, He's come from a lot of different places with a lot of different perspectives within the paddock and and being able to lend my perspective and my engineering brain. Uh, you called me an engineer, but I haven't even played one on TV. There, there are a lot of people that have spent a lot of hours uh, in colleges and practical applications learning. So I would say I'm engineering minded. I'm not actually an engineer. I just uh, know how to speak it, having grown up with one in the house um, with as my dad. And, and so that really helps on the communication side, working with Mike and, and Mike Colifer and Daniele and all of the performance engineers over there um, for because A.J. Foyt's kind of this 
it's a, a unique size as a two-car operation. It's not a, a huge race team. Uh, sure. I think you talk about some of the big teams. You know, even if Roger Penske and Penske Racing was only running two Indy cars, you wouldn't call them a small team because of the amount of cars they run in NASCAR and in sports car. Absolutely. Uh, and even when Chip Ganassi Racing was only running two Indy cars, they're still a big team because of their sports car program, their NASCAR program, and so on and so forth. And AJ Foyt, as a two-car team, they're not, they're not a small team. I mean, I, I don't think they're a, a sort of young IndyCar startup like Carlin was when I started with them, um, but they're not a big team either. And so they're this really nice family feel operation that has the ability, I believe, or else I wouldn't be racing for them, to grow and develop into a really strong, really solid engineering foundational team that brings good to great results consistently. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, and and, and by the way, me, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, no, go, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say it may take a little time because I think it, fresh perspectives always take a little time to find their rhythm. Um, and it takes a little while to, to get an oil tanker slowed down and turned around and headed in a different direction and pick up mm -hmm. steam going the right way. Uh, but I think that's the nice thing is if we can work consistently and intelligently to lay the foundation, it lends itself to long-term consistent growth. We don't want... we. We would love to have a flash in the pan result, but we also want to know how we did it and we can replicate it year after year, Absolutely. race after race. Yeah, you don't can want that. I hire you to come talk to my team at work, please, Charlie. That was inspiring and I need them all to know that, that that's perfect. It's the whole we have to build the base, get the floor in, turn the tanker, and then build. That was awesome. Yeah. yeah um, I, funnily enough, I do professional speaking. I don't know if you can tell. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I enjoy, I enjoy the, the mental aspect of the engine and working with engineers because it, it's what I think separates or is one of the differentiators of me as a driver. It is a cerebral piece that I bring to the sport and the industry itself. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. I, I agree. Uh, well, and one of the things, uh, it's funny that this is the first time we've actually got you recorded because we've chatted with you many times um, <laughs> for, for, you know, happy hours and other fun like IndyCar Nation events and stuff for us. Um, but one of the things that I really enjoyed last season with you was at Barber uh, when you were with Carlin. And so, you know, you, you had the ride chair, which, by the way, congratulations on a full-time gig this, yeah. this season. Um, pretty exciting. Whatever time looks like in 2020. Well, right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Quote unquote full time. Yeah. Full time. Yeah. Um, right. Will Will it be 15 races? Will it be three? We don't know. Yeah, we'll um, find out. But um, oh, I, oh, but yeah. So at Barber, you know, we chatted with you and Max Chilton and uh, Pato Award. Just the the way that you were able to break everything down and kind of do this very in-depth analysis of, you know, what you were seeing on track and what was going on and this and that, but to say it in a way that made perfect sense to everyone regardless of their background. Um, you, you very much know how to speak engineer, but you also know how to break that down um, for, for the everyday person. And... Um, I've enjoyed all of our interactions, but that one especially, I was like, I am just, every time I talk to you, I'm just more and more impressed. And I was like, I also now want to sit right next to Charlie Kimball during a race and hear his commentary and everything. Like, I feel like I would just be taking notes furiously, like, like in a college class. Um, well, and if I can right. plug your Instagram, that's, that was one of my favorite things last year is how you would break stuff down and, and hopefully you when this gets started, you know, I'm going to speak positively when we get started. I hope you continue to do that because your Instagram stories of like breaking the tracks down and qualifying and tires. It was great for, you know, those who don't, you know, don't have that great kind of like 
background in in IndyCar or you know have grown up around engineering, it was fantastic. So if you're not following him on Instagram, everybody should be. And I well, I appreciate that. And a lot of that uh, was I will give credit where credits due here was Kathleen because oh. She, uh, didn't know a whole lot about IndyCar racing, and so while I was racing and driving, learned a lot about the sport from my dad, and that's how he taught it. She would ask the questions, and he would talk about different things, and and I think, and, and, and both Kathleen and I think, that one of the largest barriers of entry to becoming an IndyCar fan is exposure to it, because mm-hmm. growing up, Everyone knows three strikes, you're out. Everyone knows four downs to go 10 yards. You know, mm-hmm. everyone knows a, a free throw yes. and a shot clock. Um, maybe not everyone knows the icing in hockey, but I think that's maybe one of the reasons why of the big four, they're the smallest. Mm-hmm. And in racing, not everybody knows that you have to use alternates and prime tires during the race. Not mm-hmm. everyone knows that it's knockout qualifying and there are three rounds to set the grid in three different chunks. And so she and I talked about, especially going into last year where I wouldn't be in the car as much if there was a way to elevate my exposure through a quote unquote IndyCar 101 uh, education. And Kathleen's great at translating because I would rattle off a whole lot and she goes, okay, well, could we say it like this and talk about this and where should people be watching for the most passing on this track? If they're at the track, where should they buy a grandstand seat if they want to see the most action? Stuff like that. Um, And I think if we can break down that barrier of entry, anybody, any of my friends at least, that have come to a racetrack to see me race to support me, have fallen in love and watch racing. If like last year, if I was in the car or not, they were tuning in. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I I mean, it's, it's just fantastic. And I think you're right. It's that whole lack of access and, and lack of terms that if you don't know these special terms, you're like, well, I don't want to, I don't want to ask people because if, if I don't know, maybe they'll make fun of me. And so that's absolutely great. And I am, I'm excited that you guys have been doing that and, and, Please continue to do that. Yeah, please continue that. Um, that's one of the things that we want. I mean, one of our, you know, like missions, goals on this podcast is that, you know, we wanted it to mission be. Statement. Mission statement. Yes. Um, you know, we wanted it to be fan friendly to everybody, whether you're a brand new fran- fan and you don't know, you know, shit about shit um, or whether you are a longtime fan, we wanted to kind of find this balance of, okay, you know, there's still some bits and pieces that even longtime fans don't know. And so we love interviewing crew members and things like that to bring in that extra little bit. And, you know, even something like that, even if you're a new fan, you know, you hear from a crew member or a fueler, and then all of a sudden you're more invested in watching a pit stop because you heard about what a fueler does, um, you know. And so it's just these little nuggets of things that that make it a little bit more accessible and more easy to understand. And it doesn't have to happen all in one sitting. Uh, we brought also many people to the track. In fact, we, we sat our podcast all the time. I'm like, if you come to a race with us and you don't have a good time, like I will a hundred percent money back guarantee. I will pay you back for your ticket. Like I've That's... said it before and I have never once had to pay anybody back. Um, like I, I stand by That's that guarantee. statement, but I totally buy it. Yeah. It's um, very cool about that. So yeah, no, I love, I love that about your Instagram and, and again, another, you're, you're a smart man with Kathleen for marrying Kathleen. You, you married up. Um, you, you yeah, talk about very smart. your coverage, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. So, way, way to go logging that down. Cause yeah, her, um, and just, yeah, she has, I don't, I don't know what she went to school for, but she has got a natural affinity for PR and making and, and marketing you and your intelligence. Um, um she I is I read somewhere at some point that she is, was she is she not a Hoosier like us? No, she's uh, no. So she and I went to high school together. Um, we never dated in high school, but I joke that she has two degrees, one for each of us. Um, <laughs> she did her undergrad in economics at University of Southern California, oh. and then 
got her MBA in marketing and entrepreneurship from the Kelly School of Business okay. at IU. She is. No, no, so that makes her a Hoosier then. So, okay. I I, I thought I recognized a Kelly SOB. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, that makes sense then. That's why she's so good at that. So, um, so go ahead, Molly. I was just going to ask you some of uh, another. Um, who was it, though, that kind of, I know your, your, your father uh, was around racing. Was he the one who kind of, that's what kickstarted? Or was there a racer that you really admired growing up that you were like, that's, that's my racer. That's what I want to be when I grow up. Or, or was it, you know, your father being around racers? It, it was the exposure to racing in our house. Um, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. Being born in England when my dad was a design engineer and a race engineer at, at McLaren uh, in their Formula One program. Living in Italy when my dad was an engineer and then technical director at Ferrari in their F1 program. Uh, we used to watch racing on Sundays at home to try and catch a glimpse of my dad on TV. Um, and... So I was always exposed to it. And then when, oh, I want to say I was about eight years old, maybe. So 93 or so, we, when we were back in California, my dad was working consulting in IndyCar for Dan Gurney's All-American Racers. For Christmas, he gave me an old go-kart that he used to drive around the ranch uh, when he was a kid. Well, when he went to college, his younger brothers used it and it went into storage and kind of fell into disrepair. And so he and I spent a few months working together to rebuild it and refurbish it and um, put a new engine in it, get it powder coated, get the parts for it. Well, part of it was we went down to a go-kart shop in Van Nuys, California uh, called Pitts Performance and to pick up a seat for it and i walked in and saw my first ever racing go-kart and that that to me that was like the 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 go-kart to drive around the yard was was fun but i wanted to try the racing go-kart and that was probably in march or april um and by august i sort of kept harping on it and Mm -hmm. originally you know, we bought the go-kart and we put it in the back of my dad's work, his ranch pickup, and put it on a couple of two-by-fours, put tires and fuel underneath it, and go to Jim Hall Jr.'s kart track in Oxnard, California, which is about 20 minutes from our house, um, go practice Saturday afternoon and race on Sunday. Um, and that's where it all went wrong. And it, oh. it started <laughs> and, and I got into cars at the age of 16 and kind of never looked back yeah and fantastic yeah so so far because you know i I, you have a a a long career ahead of you still what's probably your favorite kind of what's that moment in your career right now that you just you kind of hold it up as that that moment you know that kind of like that's the moment you think of when you're like keep focused and and whatnot so I had a conversation a few years ago. Um, I was at a regulatory training meeting um, with my longtime partner, Novo Nordisk, and, and a few of their other ambassadors were there. Uh, Lightning Lou Brock, Kendall Simmons, two-time Super Bowl champion who has type 1 diabetes as well. Um, Will Cross, who's a mountain climber, has climbed the highest peak on every continent, hiked to wow. both poles with type 1. Um some like really impressive company that I felt very uh, under underqualified to be in that group. Let's be honest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and we were talking about moments in our chosen fields that let us know we'd made it, mm-hmm. and then secondarily let us know we belonged. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. and. And, and for example, so Lou Brock, you know, longtime baseball player, shortstop, um, he said he realized he'd made it when he was sitting in the dugout and watching his l- legends and idols walk out onto the field for player introductions. Wow. Yeah. 
And then he realized he'd made it when he caught a Stan Musial line drive. And, and he said he, he was really lucky that the bases were empty because he caught it and was kind of so shocked that he caught this line drive that he just looked in his glove and the pitcher was like, hey, Lou, we need the ball. Like, <laughs> no, thank you. I want it. Base, like they would have run home how long I stood there and looked at it. Right. Because he was like, I can't believe this. Just yeah. <laughs> exactly. And and for me, in racing especially, uh, and in IndyCar, those two moments, I think, are a great way to talk about sort of the highlights and a great perspective to talk about when I when I realized I'd made it and then I realized I belonged. Um, and the, the first realized I made it was driver introductions at the 2011 Indy 500. Um, Graham Ray Hall was my teammate at the time. And, and before we walked out, to driver intros, he gave me great advice. He said, look, look, when you get out there, take a minute, look left, look right, look up, look down, look behind you, and soak it in, because okay. you will only ever get one first Indy 500. Um, and every year, I try and pass that advice on to a rookie, yeah. and try and make sure I remember it when I walk out for intros, because there is something... Okay, I'm biased, but I think the single coolest moment in sports for an athlete is driver intros at the Indy 500. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> well, and what what great advice from Graham. Like, you only get one first Indy 500. I mean, yeah. it's it's one of those, you know, like when people get married, a lot of times they'll hear the advice of like, you know, don't be so wrapped up in worrying about things going right that you don't take in, you know, like take a breath and look around and appreciate the day and the moment. And Especially, you know, with the Indy 500, like it is just so iconic. Um, so that's awesome. Good for you for sharing that with new rookies, too. Yeah. And uh, the moment I, I realized I belonged, we were racing at Mid-Ohio. I want to say it was like 2012. It was either. No, because 2012, I broke my hand and I didn't race. So mm -hmm. it was later in 2011. So it was August of 2011. And I passed Tony Kanaan into turn four like to be in the top five or something. I think I ended up finishing seventh or eighth that day, but it was, it, I can totally get where Lou Brock was. Cause I like passed him and I looked in my mirrors was like, Oh my God, that's Tony Khan behind. I just passed Tony Khan. Like, and I don't know that I've ever told TK that story. So uh, if you don't remind him of that, that'd be great. But it's like, I belong like, yeah. yeah, no, I am here and I've earned the right to be here and I'm racing legends and that's what I'm doing. Yeah, is, you know, all of a sudden it's like, I'm not an outsider like this. Right. Yeah. That is super cool. Oh, wow. And I do, I like that idea of the, when you've made it and when you've belonged, this, I'm, I'm yeah. definitely going to steal that question for future. Yeah. Yeah. I'm we've asked variations, but not the two together. So yeah, I thank you for that. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to write that down. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know what? We'll, we'll give you a t-shirt. Um, Cause you know, I, I'd say that we'd pay you out of our budget, but um, you know, it's, it's $0. Uh, so, but we'll throw, we'll throw a t-shirt your way for that idea. Since we're gonna steal you know I'll, I'll just take half your annual budget for payment okay. on that. Cause no, half deal. zero is still zero. Yeah. Deal. Done I've, deal. We provide you with great wine like AJ Foyt Racing, but um, Abby and I, unlike you guys, are um, fans of the boxed variety. <laughs> so I, I like to say that we are uh, we're frugal drinkers. Uh, yeah, <laughs> we are. We are fans of the box wine. They're just more practical for racetracks. It's understandable. Absolutely. Well, I am hearing uh, the hurricane and tornado spooling up in the background. So I have to return okay, to my Okay, I actually, I actually just emailed your wife and I was like, listen, I know that Charlie is so nice. He'll talk forever. So if you need to interrupt us, please do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, so, okay. Well, Charlie, thank you so thank very you so much. much. Um, real quick, since you mentioned your Instagram and Twitter, um, where can everybody find you online? So oh, online, I am on Twitter at Charlie Kimball, as well as Race with Insulin. Um, and then on Instagram, I'm at Charlie Kimball and Facebook at Charlie Kimball as well. Uh, my website's charliekimball.com. There's a link to my merchandise page that does some some really cool customized uh, clothes based on colors and styles, things like that. We've launched an, a new some new merchandise for this year um, around the concept of for the love of racing around the car number four for AJ Foyt racing. 
Um, oh, I love it. I really do love racing, and I, I'm excited to get back to a full season. Like we said, whatever that looks like in 2020, I'll be excited for that. Um, and I think it's it's going to be a good year. It's just going to be different, and we're going to the challenge for a lot of us as drivers and teams is going to be rolling with the punches and and staying staying uh, adaptable to things as they develop because it's like nothing anyone has ever seen before, at least not since 1918 or so. Well, yeah. we can't wait to cheer loudly for you. <laughs> it's going to be fun. Oh, we can't wait. It's going to be a good time. And if um, I say, it, and I'll, I'll offer this just because your kids are adorable. You know, if, if Kathleen <laughs> needs like an hour break at a track, um, oh, we, we, we can handle them. We're, yeah. we weren't, we're ants. We got this. <laughs> we're ants. I was a nanny. Um, yeah. So anyhow, if you, if she wants a little track time away from the kids, she can drop them off with us. Um, I will. And I actually, I know that I have a foul mouth, but I can clean it up around kids. So yes, that's true. <laughs> I will. I will not return your daughter. I will not return your daughter and her say the F word. I promise. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, that's that's a bold promise because who knows where she's going to learn that from that's us, true, it is a from racetrack. racetrack, from who knows. <laughs> well, I, I'll just say it won't be for me. I can't promise you won't say it, but it won't be for me. <laughs> well, I appreciate it, guys. Uh, thanks for having me on. And I look forward to catching up in person at a racetrack as soon as we possibly can. Oh, thanks. same. Thank you again. And, uh, yep, give those kiddos some love. Have fun. I will. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Bye, Bye Charlie.